Thanks for downloading this show from PC One. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right too with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19 ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for ten dollars. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just ten dollars. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our Spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through four seventeen while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Upside, the smart new way to buy business travel is Upside.com. You save money and get a free Amazon gift card every trip you buy. Use the code Forbes and you're guaranteed at least a hundred dollar gift card your first time using Upside. Save big on travel and get a big gift card at Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. This is Forbes Under Thirty on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Steve Goldblum. On the Forbes Under 30 podcast, we talk to young innovators, disruptors, and entrepreneurs. Today, we have Charles Rogers. He's a writer and director. He created the acclaimed mystery comedy series, Search Party, on TBS, which is very, very good. And uh, I would say it's, an, it's kind of an indie film for television, And uh, but we're going to talk a lot more about it. You're actually here which is unusual because every other interview that we do, it's on the line. It's over the phone or it's on Skype. Yeah. And we're like staring at each other. Well, I flew 10 states to be here. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so happy. I did. I, I crossed the city for you. <laughs> Thank you. That's enough. If you live in Los Angeles, it's just, uh, you it's know. two hours away. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Where, what part of LA do you live in? Uh, I live in Silver Lake. It wasn't I that. live in Silver Lake. Do Why you? don't we just both stay there? We could have. Do you uh, have this set up in your home? Over. I could have come over. Yeah, I could get this in my home. Yeah. And we could have had coffee and. You well, know. let's end this. Yeah. Let's see go you back. Later. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I, uh, you grew up in, in Texas and in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up on the border of Texas and Mexico, which is like neither Texas nor Mexico. It's its own weird limbo. <laughs> and, uh, and I also grew up in Acapulco, Mexico when I was, when I was little. Um, and we bounced around a lot, but I, I didn't really know, like, uh, the existence most Americans know <laughs> until, like, college, I guess. When you, and you went to NYU? Uh, for grad school. For grad, so what did you do the undergrad school? Uh, I went to, to undergrad in Austin at a school called St. Edwards University, which is like a liberal arts, uh, school. Okay. I went to a liberal arts school too. But where I'm did you Canadian, go? So uh-huh. nobody, nobody knows where well, I Well, nobody knows where I went. So. Nova Scotia. Well, that sounds prettier. <laughs> At least you have that. This is how people know my school. They go, not McGill? Oh, see, I don't even know. I couldn't, I couldn't even take you down, down that yeah. narrow. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's the Montreal school that I didn't even know was a good school until I came to the, the States. Well, apply. Like, we still have time. I... Um, did you study under Michael Showalter at NYU? I did. He was uh, he was my first year writing teacher, and that's how I became friends with him. And he's one of the there's three creators: my partner Sarah Violet and I, and Michael on uh, Search Party. Did you? So how old were you when you met um, Showalter? Twenty two. I start. I went straight from undergrad to grad school, and. He was definitely like the first person I respected that I got to know on a personal level. So I was very scared of him for a very, very long time. You didn't respect James Franco? I why would you ask me that? <laughs> no, I did. Uh, but that was a very different kind of experience. And, you know, I wanted to be in comedy and, and that was like, uh, 
James Franco. Was it he, doesn't did symbolize that. Did you study under James Franco? I did, yeah. I, I think I did read that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a bunch he, of celebrities. He, I feel like he probably wasn't there. He probably had the Academy Awards and flying around. No, he was very rarely there. We had a – but he was really insightful. I will say, like – and not, and I'm not even lying. Like, he was he was insightful and, and interesting and, like, clearly a special person. And – and like it, the class that I took under James Franco was a very weird like everyone makes a film by making their own short and then it becomes like a compilation Starring movie. James Franco and a bunch of other. I had <laughs> I had the least glamorous cast. Other people had like Olivia Wilde and stuff. I had <laughs> I had uh, Dan Hedaya, the dad from Clueless. Um, <laughs> that was like my <laughs> my celebrity. I know yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but, but I would pictures. always yeah. rather work with Dan Hedaya. He's than, funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was well. James Franco went from being a student. to to next year being a teacher. It was a very he has a he had a very particular a you should have him on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you um cuz wasn't Showalter, Michael Showalter of course, What Hot American Summer and, and and all sorts of other, you know, really clever projects. Wasn't he like a semiotics teacher at Brown? Is that right? Um I know that he took semiotics. He was a semiotics major. A student. Oh, okay. Um I don't I don't think he ever taught at Brown, but he and he is ever that major especially like in and with story he's so like he's first of all he's a genius truly um intimidatingly so and he's very good at like he's an encyclopedia for like story and story turns and the way like what symbolizes what and what the shorthand for for like different arcs for story are like he just is so versed in like storytelling and i think that's what that major basically is i'm curious about the the most enigmatic major We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Having an up-to-date payment system is one of those things like a rattle in your engine that you might let slide to the bottom of the to-do list. Everything's working now, so you'll get to it when you get to it. But that's not necessarily a practical strategy. Leave it too long and you could be stranded on the side of the highway. And when we're talking about getting paid, you don't want to get stranded. It might not be a bad time to check in with Braintree and keep your business humming. Braintree, rethink payments. Find out more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. Well, I I, uh, I remember when I was in uh, sort of a film school, I was at the no- I was. I took course at the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, and there was this film pr- producer professor that I was in love with. This guy named Brian um, Hoffbauer, mm-hmm. and I just—he had made a movie, and we just couldn't believe it. And in the first, we was so cool, and we looked like we were from the university. We looked like mainstream Abercrombie kids or something <laughs> yeah. in this class. And he looked, and he said a comment, and I was there with him, and he goes, "I just hope you guys aren't here to make the wedding crashers." <laughs> and he looked right at me and my friend. I remember, right? But fast forward, we became very good friends with and him, you made wedding and he crashers. became a mentor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we went in a different direction, but the. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's cool. But, but but that was – was it kind of like were you intimidated by him because you knew his work before? Or yeah, yeah, definitely. Him? And I knew that – I think there was like a press release that he was teaching at NYU and I was so obsessed with getting into NYU and I like it was all that consumed me when I was applying and I saw that he was teaching there. And and like half of NYU – the class, it's a, they're small classes and half of the classes are like international students who have no idea who Michael is because they're there to make like art films about refugees. And like Michael is not in their <laughs> like consciousness on any level, and so like I was very much like, did you know Michael Showalter's teaching here? And other people were like, I don't know, I'm <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So I, I was so like uh, antsy to take his class. 
And then uh, the first day, <laughs> first day of class, like we went, he we went outside for a break midway through class, and I like told him I was a big fan. And Michael's just got like a peculiar energy as a person, and it's easy to misread him. And I very much thought I had like done the kiss of death by telling him that, but I'm sure he was just like, "Yeah, thanks. I like want to have my break now." <laughs> right. like, I like interpreted that as like, "Well, I fucked myself forever. <laughs> Don't ever look at me again." <laughs> when did Fort Tilton come about? That was that's your my first your first feature film. Yeah, and so that I made uh, Fort Tilden um, the, my thesis years at NYU. So that was my first year um, out of class. You have three years of classes, and then you have like a couple years to hang on to make a thesis, whatever you want that to be. And Sarah Violet and I were friends, but becoming closer, and just wanted to make something together. And it was like, oh, let's make a web series, and we were throwing around ideas. And and we were like, one of the episodes could be about, like, two girls just trying to get to the beach. And that's a funny comedy idea. And we kept thinking about it. We were like, that would be a good feature. It would be an easy feature. And that happens all the time where you're thinking of ideas with friends and then you just, like, go home and don't do them. And we very, like, we, like, held guns to each other's heads. And we're like, we have to make this movie by the end of the summer. And took out student loans and uh, financed it with that and made it very run and gun. And that's what sort of launched us into like having careers from from school. Out what of school. was the budget of the movie? It was a hundred, um, but we one hundred dollars. It might as well have been. <laughs> For a while, it was a hundred dollars. You, you got a hundred grand together. We got a hundred grand, but it was yeah forty forty or forty five was in uh, student loans that we split between each other, and then we did a Kickstarter. We did we just used that forty five to shoot it, and then we did a Kickstarter, and a couple people gave. Uh, what do you call them? Donations and um, produced it and a uh, grant or two. Where were you when you learned that you were accepted to South by Southwest, which is a huge deal as a as a young indie filmmaker? I mean, I never. That was like the most exciting thing in the world, <laughs> and uh, I we we found out a little earlier than most people did, and I was very I was like hounding. Janet Pearson, the head of South by, to like meet up for like two years, very desperately, like like <laughs> in anticipation of pitching, just like to be like, I just want you to know me, like let's have a coffee, and it was before I'm I had and, made I'm a filmmaker, yeah, I'm yeah, coming for you, and I, yeah. I want to bridge the New York to LA. I'm sure I, I would, I would cringe if I read those emails now, and um, <laughs> and then, and uh, and so then I sent her like a poster for the sh- for the movie and was like we just submitted this and we had never met up and I was like oh it's unfinished business that I've never met up with her and then she wa- the night that she watched it she sent an email to us and was like I love this um not sure yet what it means but just know that I love it and we it was the same night that we had like a small cast and crew screening and so we were all drunk at a bar and I got that email and I was like oh my god oh my god and we yeah. all ordered shots whatever got very very drunk and then two hours later, got like an official Uran email. Like the staff, other staff had watched it, and it was all very fast and furious, and was so like, I mean, it was just, a, I was so drunk. I remember I like <laughs> the next morning, I like sat on a bench in the park and like fell off of it. <laughs> I was so hungover. It. Yeah. Do you? Um, and you won. I mean, you won. The fact that you got in is insane, but the the fact that you won. Yeah. The grand jury prize, right? Mm-hmm. You were the film in, in 2014? 14, yeah. right? You're very good at these details. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> listen, research. We, yeah. I, looked, I looked it up. 
Um, no, but it's incredible. And it kind of, uh, well, just talk about that experience of going to the festival, first of all, as a native Texan, mm-hmm. and then cleaning up. Well, it was, as a Texan, it was very cool to have friends come and my family like everybody in my family came i get, i really used those extra tickets <laughs> to, as i spread them as far as i could and um that was all that really felt like a cool homecoming thing but fort tilden happened so fast we made it so fast it was edited so fast we sit it out so fast that i never had a moment to ever catch up with anything and i never understood exactly what I, I can never sit back and objectively be like, oh, this is what it's doing for me. This is what it means. I never had the, that chance ever. And so, like, even at the festival, and I'm, like, a little bit competitive at heart. And so, like, I like I was I was always like, you know, I'm just so glad we got in, but I want to fucking win. <laughs> like, there was a part of me that was just, like, had to. And, like, the day of the award ceremony... Like, we had gotten really mixed reviews because it was, like – it turns out it was, like, a polarizing movie that, like, had really unlikable characters. And my tolerance for that is very different from other people's and, like, other what you, people – What do you mean by that? Um, the two leads in it are just, by design, unlikable. And that's where the comedy is. And but your tolerance for it is different. I could watch cringy things. Like, I, I don't suffer from that. But other people, like, really ha- – apparently really have problems with unlikable people – which just means they have problems with themselves. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, I had no idea. I couldn't feel out the awards thing of it. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, we walked around the lake all together, and it was very peaceful in the afternoon. And it was like, who cares? Like, it, this is an amazing experience. Who knows what's going to happen? It was felt very, like, calm before the storm. And then we were walking into the theater, and this other movie that was, like, the big contender, um, they were all, like, very dressed up. And so, like, I, I walked in. And I was like, "Ah, oh, they know. Like, they, they, they know. They uh, like because a lot of times the films get told in advance if they've won. So they're like, please yeah. show up to the ceremony.' Uh, but that was not the case. And it was. I mean, I, I freaked out when we won because it was also in a huge theater, and you walk to the front. It feel felt to me at the time like the Academy Awards. <laughs> and um, and afterwards, I had this like insane visceral response, which was like. I need to start a family now. Like, that was, like, the crazy... What? I was, like, having a panic... At- I had a panic attack. Well, how old? You were 20... 20- I was 22. I need to start a No, family. I was 25. I was 25. What is the man? Um, or 26. And I don't know. I was just, like... Things are moving too fast. I need to take control. Some sort of primal biology inside of me needed that. And uh, that immediately got us an agent, and that agent got us managers, and we flew out here a few months later, and it all kind of fell into place. But that movie always had a very, like, cosmic thing to it, where it was like, this is, is, there's something in here. I can feel there being a magic and a momentum to it. I don't understand it, but I know it feels good. And Sarah Violet and I, like, the day that we sent off the movie to South by Southwest, stood in FedEx and, like, placed our hands on it and did a very, like, hippie ceremony of, like, wishing intentions into it and then put it away. I don't know. It, everything about it felt like right time, right place. Right. And, and it doesn't always happen that way. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I found the best way for you to buy business travel. It's Upside.com. And if you're not a business traveler, you know someone who is, you have to tell them about Upside. Here's why I love it. At Upside, you save money on travel and you get a free Amazon gift card worth hundreds of dollars every time. You get savings and a big gift card free. Here's how they do it. Upside bundles your flights and hotel together for one low price. 
Bundling saves a ton of money, especially on business travel, so they give you an Amazon gift card. Your company saves money and you still keep all your miles. And right now, when you use the code Forbes, you're guaranteed a free $100 Amazon gift card your first time. The code Forbes gets you a guaranteed $100 Amazon gift card. How can you not do it? Upside, save big on travel and get a big gift card every time. Upside.com, that's Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. Sarah Violet Bliss, which mm-hmm. is, I can't, is that her real name? That's her real name. <clears throat> She's always been Sarah Violet Bliss? She goes by SV. <laughs> Slightly easier to effortlessly say. Effortlessly cool. Mm-hmm. So when did you, you met at NYU, mm-hmm. were you, what was your first impression? Uh, I don't remember that first day because it was so overwhelming. The orientation at NYU grad school is like so overwhelming and everyone's like, trying to prove themselves and stuff competitive uh yes it's very uh, we had a especially competitive year um but I, there are a lot of strong personalities and everyone there are a lot of entitlement as well sure. and um i but i remember loving her work and identifying with it primarily because not a lot of people make comedy at, at nyu and so like those people kind of find each other and and um and i this is Kind of a weird thing to say, but I guess like uh, she and I have a little bit more of like an American sensibility than a lot of other people in our in our like there are a lot of people that wanted to make like um, period pieces or like you know like it's yeah. a, I feel like we we were watching each other and relating and liking each other the whole time. Okay, I ask about first impressions because I feel like in watching Search Party, there is a you can have a negative first. You can have a negative first impression of some of these characters, and what you seem to excel at is displaying a sympathy as the characters evolve mm-hmm. for these characters that you may have initial disdain and contempt for. Mm-hmm. Where you're like seeing this guy, you're like, oh, this guy. And then you kind of spend a, two episodes with him, and you're like, uh, I'm kind of rooting for him now. Yeah, like, yeah. like the boyfriend, uh, forgive me with names, but the boyfriend who is like, True. <laughs> yeah, her main guy. Is he wearing a Bolt sweatshirt? Uh, yeah, he is. Do you remember that? Is that yeah, like yeah, the yeah. brown outdoor camp? Yes. Bo- okay. Because uh-huh. I saw that and I was like, wow, what a great detail. Because I know a guy that did that and I have the same impression right really? now. Really? That's the, funny. Yeah, who this character is. So I don't know if that was decision. For bringing your was, ba- baggage to the show. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, but can you talk about that? Is that something you've talked about before? Like, the, like are, you, are you aware of that, the, creating these characters, then just showing how – how important is that change for you? Well, I think that's a part of. I think that's two things. One, it's tone, and I, I, I like uh, I like comedy, and I like big laughs. And sometimes you need you need caricature to do that. And all of the actors in the show really have the ability to lean into caricature and stereotype, and that's a really good thing to milk. But it isn't sustainable emotionally, and um, and so I like to peel. I think it's cool to peel away the layers of character and to find out what people really. Make made of because that is life there are so many people that you that you shake hands with who you have a first impression of when you get that first glance into their eyes and then maybe you're wrong or maybe you're right you find out layers about them later and um and i i think that's that's a good template for um getting to know characters too we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back 
This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. If you think that your payment system exists solely for the purpose of transferring money from a customer's wallet to yours, think again. Braintree, rethink payments. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. What was the pitch process like for Search Party? Uh, it was unusual because we made the pilot uh, independently with Jax Media, which is a company that makes uh, Inside Amy Schumer and Broad City, and there's like a New York comedy pedigree to them. And uh, they, we made it in a vacuum with them, and they're like amazing creative collaborators, Lily and Tony, who run it. And uh, and we cast it. We we were there, a production company. It was all us. And then we took it out to uh, so they gave networks, you the money, Jack. Self finance, their first self finance pilot. So okay. it was a very, it was sort of an experiment for them too, and uh, it was new territory for all of us. And then we we sh- we did like a week of pitches to different networks, which was the first time I had ever done that. It's like a super overwhelming experience. Encouraging or demoralizing? Uh, I don't find it demoralizing. Um, because I'll tap, tap dance for anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I like but, the yeah, challenge of that's it. That's good. Yeah. Um. And but uh, encouraging in that it it sold. <laughs> I guess it would be less. Did it sell quickly? To t- like was TVS one of the first stops? It was. Um, they're kind of rebranding, and they, they were going through some. Yes, changes. which I didn't understand. We were a part of that change, so it was a little like, "What do you mean, TBS wants Search Party? Like, it's got to be, it's going to become so it's different." Just old like, movies in Conan. I know, like it's it's Big Bang Theory, and uh, it was TBS, and there was a couple other networks that wanted to go into development, or that was like a little. It, there was like uh, things about the deals that were like, oh, I don't know, and TBS was so gung ho, and we were told about this rebranding and that was very attractive to us but it was definitely territory that we didn't know one way we there's no way to know what that's going to look like when you're part of a big change and um and i i'm not even lying when i say that like it's been an awesome experience because they're so supportive and they really back it up and i like their notes and stuff so it's it's not it's not the like horror story that i hear at all from well, other people. What was the process like, though? Because did you show About other networks? <laughs> well, did you show them the the pilot? Like, do you sit? There, do you just send them the pilot and then have the meeting? Do you have the meeting then send them the pilot? I'm just curious. What the send them the pilot, uh, and they had like a short window to watch it, and then really, so you're like, <laughs> get it back will, like it will self destruct within. Yeah, exactly. Really? And, yeah, and they had, and then we we had like six. Or, we had like eight. I don't know. We had like eight or ten pitches. Who's doing that? Is Jax or the agent? Jax you- is setting it up. Um, our reps were helping. Um, okay. But it was very much uh, – Brittany Siegel was working at Jax at the time. She's at Netflix now and she was very in charge of all of this. Okay. So they're kind of – do they create a bidding war for you essentially? Like that we, was, if, we, you don't, if we don't hear from you, we're going to go down the road to CBS. Right. That's all sort of um, – I mean we were pitching to places that were like FX and Showtime and like – you know, like um, – cable yeah and uh and streaming but they you see what happens and then you decide if you're gonna play chess or not and this just fell so into place that we didn't it would have been it would have been distasteful for us to have been like tbs look we got some other things let's see how it plays out because it was like well this is like a real vote of confidence like you should go into it without without having done anything weird um but i know other people who have had like that bidding war experience you heard me explain the show in the very, very quick introduction. I mean, like a, m- a millennial mystery mm-hmm. 
series? How would you how how do you describe it? Um, I I I think of it as satire, uh, primarily, but it is it's a it's like a dark mystery comedy. That's kind of an easy way to say it too. Um, and most people refer to it as dark comedy, but it's about a group of twenty uh, somethings who come together when their missing friend from college when their friend from college disappears. Uh, but it's somebody that they did not know very well. Oh my god, Steve, I have not pitched. I have not ex- said the log line <laughs> in like months. I'm like I'm failing so hard right now. I'm, Where do you get your ideas from? <laughs> That's my next uh, follow-up question. No, I'm I, knee deep in season two. I like don't even know oh, how yeah. to like uh, describe season one right now. Well, on December 16th, you were picked up for your second season. Yeah. I actually don't know that it was December 16th. I, I was sure. I believed I just, you. On December point. 16th, you were picked up for your second <laughs> yeah. season. So were you worried? Or did you? Were they kind of winking at you like the South by person? Like, we love it. Uh, maybe you'll – I don't know what it means. Did yeah. anybody come up and say, we love it? I don't know what this means. Well, everybody loved it. Everybody at TBS loved it. We loved it. We felt good about it. But we didn't know how it would be received. And it was like critically really well received. Yeah. And that was kind of a surprise to me because my only real experience like this was with Fort Tilden where it was super polarizing. And it was a movie that like – the marketing was like, well, we have to like embrace the polarizing aspect of it and let that be its strength. And it's like, okay. And I was like, surely it's going to be like that. Like people are either going to be like these characters or they're going to love it. But the something about the genre, a mystery conceit of it allows people into into the more unsavory character aspects that otherwise I think they would have a grapple with. Um, but that I mean. I, the, basically, like it came out, it was well received, and then we were like, "I'm pretty sure this means we get a second season." And shortly after, we got picked up. The um, and I'm going to ask you about the second season, but with picking up on unsavory characters, one thing that's so compelling about the show, I mean, it's just really funny, is the uh, sense of victimhood and ownership of other people's tragedies. Yeah, and I think it's at like the heart of your series. Yes. Can you explain that? Well, I think on social – in like in the show, Dory is somebody who becomes – Alias Shawkat's character, Dory, becomes obsessed with um, the disappearance of Chantal. And it sort of becomes her uh, quest and identity to find her. And there's a part of that that like reflects this weird phenomenon in, in our culture now, which is that like whenever somebody dies, like a celebrity, everyone like – who knows them like post screenshots of their last texts with them and is like I remember when I knew Robin Williams and it was just like oh god like like what that what strength does that give you <laughs> and yeah it's a weird appropriation of other people's tragedies that it's like a performed grief that is all about like how the cachet of knowing uh, being close to emotion or close to trauma somehow makes you more interesting. And, um, and like now I think like everyone has their like signature trauma that makes them interesting. And we all kind of carry that around as, as part of our identity, which I guess in previous generations, everyone tried to hide their trauma <laughs> as much as possible. Now we flaunt it. We're eager to put our authorship. Yes. In things. Right. This to take control me. of it. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's the wrong way, I think. Um, and so that that is at the heart of it. How that bleeds into season two is still sort of being um, specified. But it was at, – by the end of the series, of the season, um, that becomes a greater point than it even started out with. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. 
and pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our Spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This week on All of the Above with Norman Lear, Veep star Julia Louis-Dreyfus sits down with Norman and Paul. Well, you know, there wasn't a script when I was first talking to HBO about it. There wasn't a concept. And my, my agent had said to me, listen, they're developing this thing at HBO about an unhappy vice president, an unhappy female vice president. And I thought to myself, well, I got to get in on this action because mm-hmm. it's gold and it's so amazing that nobody's done it before. Listen today on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on PodcastOne.com. The Forbes Under 30 podcast is brought to you by WordPress.com. WordPress powers 27% of all websites, including the Forbes blogs. Get 15% off your new website today at WordPress.com slash Forbes. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes. I'm curious, when you break down a season, how, what does it look like? Like everybody's in a room. What is the process like for that? Um, yes, everyone's in a room with lots of colored cards on the wall. A lot of different ideas are thrown out in a brainstormy way at the beginning. And then you narrow down, you streamline, you start to make arcs, and you have episodes broken down uh, in a row in columns. And you uh, figure out what everyone's individual storylines are and then what the season storyline is. And you're kind of like rebreaking and rebreaking and rebreaking and rebreaking and it never the rebreaking never really stops you know and it gets like smaller rebreaks and smaller rebreaks until you're just it's too late you gotta shoot <laughs> um, but there's like 10 writers around that and uh, Michael is often in the room Lily is is often in the room um, Lily Burns is a, an EP on the show at Jack's how long do you get together you say like we're, we're gonna do this breakdown for two weeks a week um, it's so we it sort of we had like a couple weeks of brainstorming. Nothing was like very formally like this is the moment we do this. We, this is just sort of like let's just keep going <laughs> all the time. And so we have our staff writers for like uh, I think it was like seven or nine weeks, and then it's a smaller group of like senior writers and Sarah Violet and I, and we're just keep tailoring things. How how old are you? I'm 29. 29. I just made the cutoff for this podcast. Yeah, please. We're going to need to see some identification. <laughs> Sarah Violet's very old, though. She's 32. She would have oh, never been able to be have been awarded this. She wasn't <laughs> yeah, no, she's coming in later, actually. Oh, to the, clean the, up. The 31 to 35 demo that we do. <laughs> it's an offshoot of this podcast. But the um, do you manage people who are older than you, or are you writers all of a certain age? Because the Most are older. Um, Only one is younger. That's my boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) How did he get the job? Uh, We were friends. When he got the job, we were just friends. First season, friends. Second season, boyfriend. He's an actor too, right? He's in the show. He's in the show. Yeah, yeah. He gets uh, Rosie Perez and him get kicked out together in the second. Is he watching as – well, he's also a writer. He's a writer. Okay, there you go. Um, When you are managing people who are older than you or Mm -hmm. they have more experience, what does that feel like? Um. This season, it feels normal because it, I'm not aware of it. The first season, I was very aware of it because I didn't know what any of this looked like. And I I very I, – I fought through a lot of, like, insecurity in not understanding what this process was. Now that I understand it, I understand not to push beyond what my actual strengths are. That was something I feel like I learned in the first season, not to force things that aren't part of you because that will only bring – major strife 
and self-hatred. And so this season, I've really learned, like, uh, managing people that are older than me, people who are older than you just know more than you um, sometimes. And that's that's something you just have to respect because that's why you hired them is because they know more and they're seasoned. And that's that's just don't fight that because that's the strength of hiring them. And um, they're all – it's a really harmonious group because we know each other well. We respect each other's opinions. And I think once you stop thinking about age, you just kind of see people for like energies and like personalities and just working on a more personal level that isn't like aware of uh, those things that are – not so real identity things. Right. And you have to have faith in your talent, which has put you at the head of that table, right? Or like at, at, a, at a leading spot at that table. Yeah. It, well, but also that like the show is an exercise in a talent in a way that I hadn't experienced before. So like you have to have faith in your talent, but you also have to like enter new territory where your talent is being put to – uh, the test in ways that you haven't dealt with because I've never made a TV show before. And acknowledge what you don't know. Yeah, and, and, well, and acknowledge and also f- figure out like what parts of you what you don't know are uh, should you th- feel threatened by, and what parts should you just be patient with and be like, I'll just learn. And like, what what parts are you do like? I got to take control of this now. I got to. I people can't know that I don't understand this. Like, it's a real. I learned more about my. I've learned more about myself in life in the last year between being in like a serious relationship, which I had been in other ones. But How like, long is the relationship? Uh, just a year and a week. Um, year and five days, <laughs> and uh, but just like the intensity of those emotions and the intensity of the emotions of of making search party, it's all new for me, and I've learned a lot about um, what I'm comfortable with and what I can and. and what I need to work on and, and trying to be okay with what I need to work on. When you receive good news, hmm. like your season's renewed, you won this thing, are you happy or do you get stressed out by it? Both. Um, both. <laughs> yeah, I could get a sense of that. I mean, just with your the, with the competitiveness uh-huh. and ambition. So what does that feel like? It feels like uh, commitment phobia. And like, oh God, I've got to, I've got to buckle down for another like seven months because it's tunnel vision. And that's what is really hard is that it doesn't feel like a wide experience of life when you're like so immersed in a project that takes up all of your focus. It's, it's not, there's no room for family. There's no room for anything other than like what I experienced in the last three hours of my day after I get off of work. And then production is a whole other. Do you think it has to be that way or is it just the way you're wired I think both. I think it has to be that way because it is truly – it does – if you want it, something to be good, if you really want to push something to be better than it could be, then you have to really, really apply yourself. And that's that's something that I do obsessively anyway, but it's a, it's a whole other level when it's a television show. It's just a lot of work. I want to talk to you this. I, I was directing – I directed a feature film that I wrote with Rita Moreno two years ago. That's awesome. And it was – the cinematographer made a decision to not make me look like an idiot. <laughs> and it was a decision because he could have. I didn't know what I was doing uh-huh. and I was whispering things that really would have shown me and my ignorance and – Whispering things to him? No, I was like, what do we do here? Should we put a wide shot and then we'll go in for a close? He was like, yeah, and then we'll start. So he yeah. – but people – and I said, guys, what we're going to do, you know, and I would re- relay it with this confidence. Uh-huh. But I knew 
I was a fraud because I knew what I was whispering and he didn't make me look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have relationships in your life, in the production mm-hmm. that are, that have grown or like, how, how, what was that like managing the set? It's just such a huge thing to take on. I can't even imagine doing it, a TV show. Yeah. And seeing what you've done. Right. What was that? Were you overwhelmed and how did you overcome it if you were? I was overwhelmed. Uh, I'm not as, I'm not overwhelmed for season two. Uh, because I know what it is and I understand where I don't have to like in that regard like I'm not an AD like I'm not an assistant director like I don't have uh, the I don't have a loud barking quality to me and whenever I have to whenever it's like okay take charge I'm like wait hold on I need to step back (laughs) I need like things to stew and I'm not I'm a more unconscious person like there are some people who are so they're internal and they're external like there's no filter between them they're just like constantly engaged and both feet are planted on the ground and they're pointing every direction and they know exactly what they mean. I have to process, interpret, consult. Like that's – I'm way – I'm very confident with actors and with writing and with um, qualities. Like I feel very confident in qualities. Like I understand how to make things feel and manipulate feeling and and working with ideas to make – a result but when it comes to like i'm sorry i'm like speaking so abstract (laughs) but like it's like when i I feel like i need all the pieces in front of me and then once i have those formal properties i'm like okay great i can make art i'm not somebody who's like where are the pieces get the pieces put the pieces here now we're ready like i can't do that and so like that really intimidates me and i and i learned like i don't have to do that like there are other people who do that and thank god for them how's sv um she's she's better at she's better at um delivering bad news yes that's true (laughs) she's better at like uh which is a skill yeah it definitely is a skill it's a yeah it's a skill and i i there's like a southern gentleman in me that's like um just so you know this is a this is a scenario that we all have to get used to like i'm not that you did such a great job but but you're fired (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she is she is better at that and but luckily neither of us really have to be that person and that's something i didn't understand i was like oh my god there's so much to do when you're show running a tv show and like making all the creative decisions and then you realize like oh other people set your schedule other people tell you when you're going to meet with these people like it is a machine that works on its own you have to show up for the moments that you need to be used in right which is decisions and taste making moments and that is like oh fine i can do that that's that that part doesn't scare me like um trying to be like master and commander of a ship (laughs) but what then what is the sense that gives you the most confidence when you're on set is it when you're going back and forth with the actors between takes and and, uh, and getting them to where they need to be. Yes, uh, yeah, that it, that um, and and production. I love production design. I love costumes. I love art and like any element of production that is art is like my first nature. And I think I probably decided early in life that I'm allowed to be that person. And so I feel much more confident in the others than than the stuff that I attributed to like qualities I don't have when I'm young. And so. Like uh, working with actors, jokes, getting to the joke and writing, understanding emotions, those things come naturally to me. So I'm curious about the business. Um, You've worked on other shows like Mozart in the Jungle, right? What what was that experience like? You were a writer on Mozart in the Jungle? Uh, uh, For a brief 
couple three weeks or something I wrote on the second season of Mozart in the Jungle, which couldn't have been a more. I also wrote on Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. And they couldn't be like Wet Hot was chaos, controlled, c- controlled creative commotion. And that's how people describe my mother. What controlled creative commotion? Controlled chaos. chaos. uh, Listen, she sounds magical. Yeah, she's great. (laughs) Put a camera on her. (laughs) Um, And Mozart was the most gentlemanly experience. It was all at uh, Jason Schwartzman's mom's house, uh, who is um, Coppola, right? Yes, but he's she's a uh, Talia Shire. She yeah. was um, Rocky. And Rocky. She's Adrian. Right. She's in The Godfather, and um, and their dogs and their beautiful piano and pool. And we were all around their dining table, and it couldn't have been a more cordial, formal. Like uh, it was a it was like the the biggest like show business intro I could have had in my first few months of living in LA. <laughs> it was so weird. But um very sweet and and kind people. And that was that I, I didn't feel um incremental to that show in any really. So it was a visit into it was a window into a way a show can be made. Mm-hmm. And I think the rushed nature of search party, you gotta get you gotta get it done. There's never a stop, there's never a break, uh, is a different feeling. Where is there a sense with the business and, and like when you're dealing with your agents and your reps and your career so far has been a, a series of green lights in mm-hmm. terms of your film and you know you've had the success really early on. Is that do you feel pressure like I got to keep this up? I want to grow. I want to be bigger. I want more. I got the search party thing. That's great. I love it. But now I want more. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you could see the yeah. seriousness in which you delivered that answer, I wish this I was, was also a video. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's like we're in Congress, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, but I also, do, but uh, yes and no. Like I don't know. I I've always known what I wanted, like in a really abstract sense, which is like I want to make. The stuff that I want to make, and I want people to see it, and I and I want to be respected because everybody wants that. But I will say it is confusing to have been given these particular green lights early on because there is a real commercial element to making a TV show, which like now I'm feeling not used to, but I'm like I'm I've acclimated to the idea that like oh crazy like. Hundreds of thousands of people have seen this, and that's nothing I ever experienced before. And it becomes like a life that lives without you. And now it's like, well, does everything have to be that way? And what does it mean if something isn't that way? And I, I, I don't know what I want as much. What I, what I know, what I want is to keep exercising and exploring, and of course, making money. But. I don't know what that looks like per se. I think there's some people that are like, I want to make my first feature, and I want to make, and I just like don't have that like very clear. I just want to keep evolving. I guess I don't know. I mean, I feel like I got a lot of I got a lot of red lights early on. Everyone does. Like, I didn't have like a harder period of time than other people. But like coming out of film school and in film school, like my, I couldn't like get my shorts to hit in festivals like other people could. I wanted more. I didn't know what that meant, but I just wanted more. And now that I'm getting it, I'm like, well, hold on. Like, I, it's hard to stay objective about, like, where you're at in your career and life and what you need and what you want and what you have. It's all very confusing. <laughs> but it's great. I'm so grateful. I mean, I, how could I not be grateful? It's awesome. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Small businesses are at the heart of our communities in the places that we could not live without. Whether you've been in the business for generations or recently launched, creating a website on WordPress.com can make a big impact on your business. Even if you don't have experience building a website, WordPress can guide you through the process. They have hundreds of customized themes to get you started. Just pick a template and make it your own. You'll get built-in search engine optimization and social sharing. That's good. When you build your website on WordPress.com, you're part of a community with support 24-7. Whenever you need it, get answers to your questions and get back to getting stuff done. Come see why 27% of all websites run on WordPress. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to WordPress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website. WordPress.com slash Forbes. Are you are you a lot of fun to go out with? I mean, I, when I look at what I'm, I'm thinking why? about, I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> you even going? why I'm asking this question. No, I'm, I'm wondering what you're up to next week. No, no, I, I uh, you, you're managing so much with the second season with your relationship, and I know you shoot the show out of New York. Yeah, and so you're like. How do you – do you meditate? How do you stay organized? Are you naturally organized as, as a lot of creative people just aren't? Innately? I'm not that organized. I'm, I'm organized in that I'm kind – I keep things in my head but I, and I have a planner. But I'm not like – my house is kind of messy. I, like I'm somebody who like knows how to design an apartment well and then just leaves clothes everywhere. Like <laughs> I'm not like – but in terms of being fun, like I was probably more fun before work. <laughs> I, I, but I am fun. That I'm is so that's much something fun, that happens, Steve. right? Because people think you are fun when you when they start to see more of you, and uh-huh. because of your career, people are seeing you more. So they think, and and it's a fun business. At the same time, you just have a sh- shitload of. At the same time, you just have <laughs> loads of work. Yeah, right. I am very tired yeah. all the time, but but also, hey, you know, I I go out, I have fun, right. I have great friends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love that question. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I mean, I feel like I got to defend how fun I am now. SV, uh, are you are you guys just uh, linked together for the rest of eternity, or is there a point where you're going to be like, you know what, this was amazing, but it's time I got to see if I can do something different? Um, it could be different things. You know, I I think we had we had our only focus was getting this made for so long, and now that we have it, it's like. Do we make a feature together? Do we make another movie? Like, we have plans together. Um, I think the best of all worlds is that we ha- we make stuff independently and we we keep the momentum of our of our partnership. Because one thing I've learned, I think I, I took for granted after Fort Tilden um, what great of partners we are. And that has, in the last year, has really shown me. And getting through how difficult season one was really showed me, like, how uh, rare great partners are creatively. And so I don't think it's something that you can just turn your you walk away from. I hope people um, watch Search Party. You can get caught up with it anywhere, anywhere that they stream television shows. And it's free on the TBS app now. So you can just watch it. Free? I'm such an idiot. I paid $2.99 for it on uh, <laughs> Apple TV. You could just give You're me welcome. $2.99. I'll give you it back right now. Please. <laughs> um, you can buy me a coffee downstairs, then I'll owe you money. Um <laughs> Anyways, I, I I love the show. It's it's really funny. It's really aware of itself. 
in a way that makes it funny too. Thanks. Uh, commenting on like every conversation that I hear nowadays. Uh-huh. Um, this podcast, we have a lot of entrepreneurs on, and early on, they often collaborate with people on their projects, and like whether it's Snapchat or some app that we've never heard of, they kind of there's friction as they enter the business. So you've had this wonderful partnership with SV. How do you keep it healthy? And what does that collaboration look like as you both have achieved success and, and move further along in your career? The thing that's like specific about our partnership, I think, is that we're both pretty like highly sensitive and self-aware people. And sometimes I'll leave the room and just be so exhausted by thinking like, oh, what did they think of this idea when I said this? And what does that mean about that? And is it because they felt allegiance to this idea or because of this personal thing? And like, there's just too much to keep in my head all the time. And I think she's kind of that way too. And so most of our disagreements or not even disagreements are healthy, but like most any like tensions we've had, I feel speak more to the weight of the project and how important it is to both of us. And that's not even like a political answer. I think that's true. But it's also like we've grown up a lot. Like both of us have we've been partners for four years or three three and a half, four years. And that, the, you know, that's time in your twenties and that's when you do a lot of growing up. And so, yeah, I've learned, I've learned a lot about myself through this partnership. And I think she has to, not to speak for her, but you know, I think it takes some time to figure out how to, it's a relationship. It's a marriage basically. And it takes, it takes a while to figure out who that other person is through and through who you are in the face of them in relationship to them, how you guys ebb and flow. And it takes uh, forgiveness and acceptance and uh, self-acceptance. And that stuff is like nothing you can set out. Uh, you know, you can't have a goal with any of that stuff. That's just stuff that comes with like going through the motions of it. Does your partner ever get jealous of your work partner, SV? Well, he Jordan has a very specific role in the show, and that he's a staff writer. So, like by default, he comes in knowing that he has a place <laughs> and the security there. There is security there, and Jordan and I are going to be collabor- creative collaborators. We are creative. We made a short together. That you can watch online. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, there's – I think that there's just a very – they're two very different animals. And I think, like, he has he has equivalents in his life like that or actors that, uh, you know, he's worked with and stuff like that. So I think it's just sort of like it's good. It's good to have things that you can't share with your right. partner. Right. How aware of are you of um, creating a room that is full of – diversity and different whether it's race or age and background and things like that when you're hiring and putting a group of people together it was very much a priority um diversity is very much a priority and the room is pretty diverse uh it's most important to me that it's i think what's what's a little difficult about prioritizing types of writers and not even in terms of diversity, but just in terms of like even in season one, we were like, we want some mystery writers, some comedy writers, just like thinking of things in like this labeled way. It makes it harder to feel out people on a personal level. Like, it, you know, like ideally it's just people who I trust and like that. That's it. Um, luckily, the room is diverse and it's people I trust. And it, it, I haven't we haven't had to like fight a certain for a certain uh leverage or whatever like arrive at a place where we're like oh thank god we have diverse writers but the show is 
the show is in and of itself a feminine show in my mind. It it has an outsider's point of view. It has a self-awareness uh, that an outsider has. It's a little bit gay. It's, you know, I think the show in and of in its DNA isn't 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 not a diverse show. And so the writers have reflected that. Also, I would say that it picks up a little bit our fascination with real life drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, like with the serial and with Shit Town, uh-huh. uh, which is incredible. I need to, um, I need to find out about it. Um, it. Are you picking up on that at all with with Search Party? Our fascination with true crime that's been kind of intellectualized by some popular media companies. Yes, that was sort of in the in the fabrication of its conceit. Like from the beginning, it was like, oh, that's a great idea. Like that that taps into the zeitgeist. For and I think that that speaks to SV and uh, and probably Michael and Lily more than it speaks to me. I'm not a huge true crime person. I'm not. I'm not a huge serialized person in general. Like it has to be the right show to get me involved, but um, I don't like procedurals really. So I I feel like it's not my boat in the same way that it's other people's boat. But it was – it's – I think of it as a starting point and as a way to get people hooked and then you find out that you care. And that's the part where I like – that I like the most is the part where people learn to care about the characters. What other ideas are marinating right now as as you're working on Search Party? Is there other stuff that you have – going on whether it's movies or other or other creative projects um yeah i i mean i made a short with jordan called men don't whisper and that would be something that we would like to turn into a feature and we're also you know sarah violet and i are also discussing like another larger project and um i don't know when things are gonna it's all the schedule is so hard <laughs> it's so hard i just want to go on vacation that's actually my biggest priority <laughs> it's never gonna happen no <laughs> season three uh was announced on uh july 4th of, <laughs> Charles uh, Rogers shot himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um thank you so much thank for you coming. we never do this in person but it's, it's kind of nice oh uh, yeah yeah so thanks for for coming in well thank you and uh go watch search party get caught up on the first season so you can enjoy the second season so that it will make more sense. Oh, I have a question. Uh, how, how do you manage what you were saying, um, a sense of being an outsider, an imposter, and then overcoming that? Like, there's no way to be ready for anything that you haven't experienced before. The only way is to have done it once, and I don't think conditions are ever the same the second time around anyway. Um, but I I feel like I the most important thing is to rise to the occasion and that's something that i i learned is that you just don't say no when 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 there is something in front of you that you know needs to be done and is worth doing and will deliver what you want and deliver you into what you want then you have an obligation to not say no and to not um, project onto that decision and, and and use other parts of your life as an excuse not to do it um so i you know every day of this, I've experienced a different kind of insecurity, a different kind of confusion about who I am and what my worth is and, and what I am capable of. And I've what I have learned is that that's fine and that like that's that is something that I inherently am ashamed of. But 
that's fine that I'm ashamed of it because that is what self-acceptance is, is just being like, I observe that and that's okay. <laughs> and what's important is that I'm still showing up and, and showing up to the plate and getting through it because that's at the end of the day, the only thing anyone else will see. And, and if you let insecurity get in front of you, then you'll just never have lived. That's, that's beautiful. That's nice. And that's a good closer. Cool. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under 30. That's the number 30 at podcastone.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.